1958, Disney released the animated short Paul Bunyan. In this cartoon, we hear kids and lumberjacks alike sing the live long day about the titan of lumberjacks. Well, he picked up his axe and chopped a tree, cleaned down with his forward swing. Got him another with his axe swung back, that timber cutting king. No, Paul, what are you doing? Put the axe down. Look up behind you. It's the hodag. Ah! Welcome to another pine-scented edition of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by critically acclaimed Paul Bunyan cosplayer, Angel. How's the costume coming this year, buddy? Well, you know, this time I can actually grow a beard, so I don't need to worry about that. <laughs> it, it only took this many years to be able to do it. <laughs> It finally came in. Finally I'm, ha- came... I'm happy for you. Very yeah, happy. I, I haven't shaved in like 20 odd years, so. <laughs> <laughs> finally got the, the stubble. The hardest part is, you know, getting the size right. Not really uh, Paul Bunyan's height, so I have to make do. Yep, got to get those shoes with the lifts. <laughs> like, <laughs> like four foot lifts. <laughs> I guess stilts at that point. Yes. I'm glad the cosplay is going good. However, today we travel deep into the north woods of Wisconsin in search of the Hodag. This amalgamation of different creatures goes back to at least the 1880s. But before we don our flannel shirts, sharpen our axes, and start clear-cutting entire ecosystems, let's sit by this cozy campfire and take a look at some oddities in the news. The first article that we have this week comes from unexplainedmysteries.com. It is titled, Terror Crocodile Had Teeth the Size of Bananas. The article goes on to say, A new study has revealed the immense power of one of the largest crocodilians ever to walk the earth. Imagine a gigantic crocodile the length of a bus, with two rows of teeth the size of bananas, a predatory reptile so powerful that it would catch and devour large dinosaurs. Enter Diniosuchus, the Terror Crocodile a long extinct genus of crocodilian that roamed the earth between 75 and 82 million years ago. It was so large that even the largest predatory dinosaurs of the time may have found themselves serving as a potential meal. Now, a new fossil study has cast new light on the threat posed by this gargantuan carnivore. Dinosuchus was a giant that must have terrorized dinosaurs that came to the water's edge to drink, said study leader Dr. Adam Cossett from Arkansas State University. Until now, the complete animal was unknown. These new specimens we've examined reveal a bizarre, monstrous predator with teeth the size of bananas. Most telling are bite marks found on fossil bones of dinosaurs that lived alongside it. Dinosuchus seems to have been an optimistic predator, and given that it was so enormous, almost everything in its habitat was on the menu, said co-author Stephanie Drumheller Horton. We actually have multiple examples of bite marks made by D. Grandensis a species newly described in this study, D. shumeri, on turtle shells and dinosaur bones. And it is accompanied by a picture, an artist's rendering, if you will, of a huge crocodile 
just nearly biting the head off of a dinosaur. What's your your hot take on this banana teeth crocodilian? Well, I don't know if I want to say this. It might give away everything I stand for, but that uh, species D. Schwimmer is that yeah, like David Schwimmer? David Schwimmer, yeah. <laughs> like, that, is it the, named the one after that him? Named it, they really liked Friends, and they're like, "Hey, Ross is a paleontologist, I mean, so exactly. we're going on." <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> um, the other thing is that all these uh, new creatures being found that apparently are as large as dinosaurs and taking them down is just it's, it's, it's destroying my childhood. You know, I'm, I used to think di- dinosaurs were the giant thing that terrorized everyone else. And now it's like, oh, this giant crocodile just ate a bunch of them. Whatever. <laughs> There's there's uh, there's always a bigger fish, I guess, right? Those dinosaurs were not the apex predators we were taught as little children. Yeah. The thing that popped in my mind first about reading about this was, it's been, I don't even know how long since I've seen the movie, but Lake Placid. Yep. Did you ever see that with the giant crocodile? I mean, it uh, looks basically I... like that. Yeah. I, I hated that movie. There's another giant alligator movie. Well, it's called Alligator, so it's a giant alligator, not a crocodile. <laughs> That's the one I'm a fan of. That sounds like a sci-fi original, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> it's actually a great film into the study of man's psyche. But whatever. <laughs> they, don't, they don't make them like they used to. No. That's all, all I gotta say. They, they, they really don't. Yeah, very cool. I mean, eye-grabbing um, headline there with teeth the size of bananas. Not something you'd <laughs> ever want to be bit by. Unless they're as soft as bananas. <laughs> Just grab them off and start eating them. <laughs> It gets even worse where it says it has a double row of those teeth. So, Yeesh. my gosh. Yeah. Good thing you're extinct. I mean, stay there and no one clone it, please. <laughs> the other news item I wanted to bring to everyone's attention going around the internet this week sort of has been a video of a temple in Mexico where, believe it or not, depending on where you're standing and clapping your hands towards the temple, actually it makes it sound like a bird chirping back at you. So specifically, this is in Chichen Itza Chirp in the Temple of Cuckoo Clan in Tino, Mexico. So the idea is you clap your hands at the base of the pyramid and the song of a sacred Mayan bird will echo through the air. So just a few snippets from the article. The Mayan city of Chichen Itza is full of architectural and engineering marvels. Every equinox, an enormous snake born from the shadows slithers down the side of the Temple of Kuklan. But the pyramid does more than put on its spectacular light show. Clap your hands at the base of the stairs and an echo will ring through the air. It isn't an ordinary booming echo either. It sounds like the song of a ghostly flock of birds, a chorus of chirps that crescendo before fading into silence. During ceremonies, when Kuklan was being called upon or worshipped, a priest would face the pyramid and clap, creating the chirp. He'd then turn and face the temple of warriors and clap again, causing a low rattle to seemingly emit from the rocks. The chirp and rasping whisper of an echo were believed to be the voice of the god. Very cool stuff that they just had the architectural wherewithal to make these temples with this in mind. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, yeah, I mean, we could attribute it to natural intelligence of the human beings that existed. Or it could be the fact that these primitive people had no intelligence whatsoever and obviously needed help from aliens, right? 
Because that's mm-hmm. that's the real, that's the true story there. As you said that, I saw your hair blow back like the guy <laughs> in Ancient Aliens. And you, you summoned his spirit and he is inside you now. Yeah, just just to let let it be known that this is not what I believe. <laughs> far, <laughs> far from it, right? <laughs> I know. It's just the idea that, you know, ancient peoples were so damn stupid. They never could have thought of anything like this. It's uh, it's kind of infuriating sometimes, right? Yeah, but I guess I guess we're learning every day, you know. Yeah, and supposedly this goes back to the first time it was studied in 1998, and has been intriguing scholars ever since. Other, I guess, sad part of it is that it's so the the bird that it's replicating is the Quetzal, and sadly for the Quetzal, increasing habitat loss and illegal trafficking is threatening the magnificent species, and their future as a whole remains uncertain. Article even goes on that says, should the species perish, at least we have the sound of their chirps in these temples, which I guess is a very, like, sad (laughs) way of looking at it. Yeah. So, on hell, episode one found us deep in the swamps of your home state looking for our champion, Skunk Ape. Today, we take a look at my state's cryptid claim to fame, Wisconsin's own Hodag. Now, this is probably one of the cryptids out there that not too many people have heard of. I, have myself, have lived in Wisconsin for two decades of my life, and I have only seen anything related to the Hodag maybe two or three times. So, has this cryptid ever popped on your radar before we started researching for this episode? I don't even know if those letters have ever come into my perception even by accident <laughs> so so no so so prior prior to this this could have been your your true level four detectability yes you had yes. never heard of it if right? you had yeah. said hodag i would have been like that's a four because <laughs> yes. i don't know what that is 20 it gets automatic 20 <laughs> don't know what the hell it is yeah and um i just want to state since you mentioned this the first episode of skunk Cape, i'd like to make uh, an announcement uh, issue an apology to exalted researcher J. Michael. He he's rebounded from fringe and is now exalted. <laughs> yes, he has been redeemed. I I foolishly laughed at his Phoenician theory of domesticated apes, but an anonymous source has told me I'm not going to reveal my sources. Oh my I, I don't I don't want yeah. them to get hunted down by people, but an anonymous source has told me that he's got a friend that hunts. With the skunk apes, which I inferred to mean oh that God. the skunk ape can be tamed and has been tamed and therefore domesticated. So, J. Michael, you are on something. Please come on to our show. <laughs> <laughs> or if it even just has the intelligence then to cooperate, maybe it's not domesticated. Maybe it's free thinking now. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Uh-huh. He's just joining in on the fun to hunt. <laughs> hunting, hunting armadillos, I assume. <laughs> Or, or hopefully wild boar taking down the population. Yes. I hope. A skunk apes helping the Nephilim uh, take down the <laughs> semi-immortal pig people. That's right. Yeah. It's, all, it's all coming together. <laughs> Big circle. Good for J. Michael. He's making a rebound. And I suppose almost every single episode, like parts of his theories, you've slowly come, you know. <laughs> I've come around come accustomed to them. Yeah. Uh, so it just took a while to beat it into that <laughs> domesticated apes from Phoenicia. I guess I guess I, I hated it so much because I truly, really wanted it to be true. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're like, no, I know how that goes. <laughs> as far as the Hodag, though, as we're going into this 
to give you an idea of what exactly the hodag looks like if you are one of the many many people that has no idea what the hell we're talking about i was able to get my hands on a series of folklore pamphlets from the wisconsin state historical society that give us an idea on what the hodag looks like so this set of documents they were written by charles brown between 1921 and 1945. he was a curator of the museum of the state historical society in wisconsin secretary of wisconsin's archaeological society and taught at the university of wisconsin to give a bit of a background on this gentleman so he was not only knee deep he was elbow deep into history here <laughs> he was a, a force to be reckoned with so one of the pamphlets deals specifically with paul bunyan and the myriad of unique wild animals that pop up in the folklore surrounding america's favorite lumberjack it depicts the hodag as black in color and that's as it's quoted this ferocious beast and horns on its head large bulging eyes terrible horns and claws a line of large sharp spikes ran down the ridge of its back and long tail so it sounds like quite the creature now compared to charles brown in his pamphlets there another description comes from eugene shepherd an individual accredited with both killing a hodag and then later capturing one capturing the hodag impressive he described it uh, my, my god he captured <laughs> one he describes it as the hodag had the head of a frog the grinning face of a giant elephant thick short legs set off by huge claws the back of a dinosaur and a long tail with spears at the end the hodag has had green eyes huge fangs and two horns sprouting from its temples eugene shepherd describes it as that the hodag is said to have breathed fire and smoke and smelled of a combination of buzzard meat skunk perfume and that early reports indicated the hodag was about seven feet long 30 inches tall and weighed in at about 200 pounds so how's this coming to picture in your mind what are you thinking about this physical stature of the hodag so first thing that comes to mind is that I had a different picture of him. I guess maybe because it was tainted with the image of the hodag with the uh, the, the group of people surrounding it, mm -hmm. the black and white picture, because yep. you said it said about 200 pounds, and I just don't see that thing being 200 pounds based on that picture. And that picture, we'll have it on our podcast site. The picture, it's a air quotes, historical picture <laughs> uh, from Eugene Shepard, with the idea being that he's pictured in it on the right-hand side holding a huge stick as he's like sort of clubbing the the hodag or ready to as a child is underneath the hodag and the hodag is standing on a log yeah there's like a whole posse of people around it and it is nowhere near that reported size it looks like maybe the size of a labrador <laughs> maybe well you know i have a theory on that but we'll get to that later let's get our hiking boots on lace them up nice and tight and explore this some more as the hodag goes under the razor. Cotton Eye Joe's razor to be exact. Where did the hodag come from and where did it go? The story of the hodag, like Paul Bunyan, grew out of the oral tradition of lumberjacks with nothing better to do than tell stories around the campfire at the end of a long day's work. Veteran lumberjacks would often tell stories of bizarre events or crazed monstrosities out in the woods to rookies in an effort to have some fun at their expense. It was said that the hodag either rose from the ashes of cremated oxen or were the embodiment of their restless spirits after years of life as beasts of burden and being subjected to both physical and verbal cruelty. Specifically, it is said excessive cursing at the animals could cause this to happen. So I took a little bit of a, a side quest here and looked into the, just the life in the camps for these lumberjacks. 
because I found this part really intriguing, this idea that cursing at this animal so much, this verbal abuse could later cause it after it died of natural causes or just died of overuse. It was custom to cremate the oxen and then however it happens, the oxen then rises out of that ashes as the hodag. I read a story about a lumberjack who described what life was like in these camps. Of course, it is filled with extreme hyperbole. Only a lumberjack could make up, but he said, it would get so cold you could see the words freeze as they came out of your mouth. <laughs> By the time spring rolled around, you'd never hear such horrible language in your life. All those curse words, the anger, the frustration, it all thawed out at once and spilled into the forest. The idea being, it was such a hard job that unfortunately, a lot of negative energy was released on those oxen. It was it was rough life in the 1800s in these lumber camps. And unfortunately, <laughs> these oxen often became the target of those frustrations and anger. It's interesting that these lumberjacks were mindful. Like they were aware that such negative things could affect something, even if it's just them making stories up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a bizarre self-awareness of how horrible they are to an animal. <laughs> and then like give it a, a reason that it could come back from hell and like yeah. target them in the woods or something like that. So I must ask, have you ever cursed at an animal so much you thought it would come back and kill you? Yes. Cockroaches, for sure. Cockroaches? Yeah. I... I thought you were going to say the Mothman, but... <laughs> no, because the Mothman can't kill anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're very much against my uh, theory of his 200,000-some kills. Yes. That could be attributed to him. Yeah, I think I think he just shows up to take the credit. <laughs> oh, he's like the that horrible group member in high school <laughs> that would do nothing, and then you did all the yep. work. He shows up and takes the credit. Exactly. Man, Mothman just gets worse and worse, doesn't he? <laughs> And yet his score says otherwise. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, Hodag, <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for you. Gotta, gotta beat at least Mothman. I'm also uh, slight off topic. I'm reminded of. I think there's a competition. I don't know where. I remember hearing about it, but there's competitions of tall tales, where people compete by telling the tallest tales, and whoever you know, the audience. I guess the judges determine whose tale is the most believable. Have you heard of this? Wow, that's kind of cool. No, I've never. Is it like a yeah? It's a like, competition. You, know, you said like the local competitions. I don't know somewhere in the states. People just come up and like come up with a story and you know tell it to the audience. And that's to me. It definitely seems that as you know, technology grows. The oral tradition of storytelling seems to be very much a dying art. So it's cool to see yeah. events like that keeping it alive, even if it's just you know a local competition or something like that. So. More power to those type of activities. I like it. And it's funny that you mentioned that because these tall tales became reality when Eugene Shepard came into the story. Shepard claims that while he was walking near his home in the fall of 1893 in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, he just so happened to have crossed paths with the Hodag. A bit after that encounter, Shepard is able to publish a picture that he draws of the creature in the New North. That's Rhinelander's weekly paper at the time. Eventually, he gathers a posse of townsfolk and lumberjacks to hunt down the creature. They are armed, as uh, the story goes, with heavy rifles and large squirt guns loaded with poison water. They then found the creature near the original space Shepard encountered it and unleashed a pack of dogs upon the hodag. Then, in some maybe not miracle, the hodag tore through the dogs 
and the posse's weapons <laughs> proved to be of no use. Now, luckily, luckily, one of the men happened to have brought several sticks of dynamite, and they sent that cursed oxen spirit monstrosity back to hell where it belongs. Amazing. So do you think, Angel, that they were prepared for this encounter? And if not, what would you have brought to hunt a cryptid well, in 1890? First, I do believe they were prepared. In fact, I believe Eugene Shepard planned it all, and he was very meticulous I am almost positive he said bring dynamite. Uh, I won't say too much. Secondly, I would not go hunting cryptids. I would leave them alone because I am a hippie. (laughs) Yes, uh, don't kill them, (laughs) specifically with dynamite too. But I like to think that that guy was like, I'm going to be the all-star. I'm going to be the the quarterback off the bench that comes in late in the game and saves everybody, (laughs) and he was. He brought his dynamite, helps kill the hodag. So good on that guy. About three years after that, Shepard and his lumberjack posse, now also compared of several bear wrestlers, were able to keep the dynamite holstered and do the unthinkable. They capture a live hodag. Now, my favorite part of this new posse, the detail of these bear wrestlers. Like, with the logic of this, they were thinking, well, three years ago, we were not prepared the first time. Our dogs got torn apart. Our guns didn't work. My gosh, the poison water, who the hell thought of that? (laughs) That wasn't working. And then he thinks, I need, I need men. I need real manly men. Get the bear wrestlers. On top of that, the fact that this little town in the middle of nowhere has multiple bear wrestlers just makes me a very happy person. Timber towns in the 1890s seem to be a hell of a place to live. Yeah, wrestling bears, um, that's not something I, you know, one takes lightly. I know, yeah. Especially <laughs> 1890s bears. They're probably bigger and better than our our poor 2020 bears <laughs> yeah because because they've been softened up by civilization <laughs> yes yep they're they're just eating out of garbage cans and crap like that <laughs> it would have only made it better if rather than bear wrestlers they were wild boar wrestlers and uh <laughs> yeah they had taken down some thousand pounders but it wasn't part of the story however what is part of the story is like something out of looney tunes They found the hodag in a cave and used a chloroform rag on the end of a large stick, thus being able to put the beast to sleep. After that, they transported the hodag to a pit with a tent over it to the Oneida County Fair with the idea of being the creature would think that it never left its den and that they made the tent look like the cave. So almost outsmarting this, this hodag, thinking that it was still in its den all along, but really it's at the Oneida County Fair. So has that ever happened to you, Angel? You just go to sleep in one place and you, you know, wake up where the hell and am I? And I get chloroformed. <laughs> you have chloroformed. And wake up yeah. <laughs> yeah, that has happened several times. I, I sleep with a. Uh, it just keeps happening. And you don't know why. <laughs> Someone's out there to get you. I mean, it's like sometimes it's like, all right, I'll I'll go with it, but you know, so it gets tiring after a while. Well, sometimes those walks are a long walk back home. It's very <laughs> inconvenient, really. <laughs> I do, I do wonder, though, these bear wrestlers, I, it doesn't mention that they actually caught sight of the thing, does it? No. Because it seems to me that Eugene's the one that captures it, he's the one that keeps it, and yet these bear wrestlers don't have any say in any of this? I mean, Yeah, they, I, they were hmm. just like the muscle brought along, so... Did, I, mean, I mean, did anyone even witness these bear wrestlers going with Eugene? Or did Eugene just make that story up and say, yeah, I got some bear wrestlers? To my, to my knowledge, the... The second posse three years later after the one they killed with dynamite it was a, a legit posse 
they were a, a group of people that actually uh, went out there. But they, those the bear wrestlers, they weren't needed. They were able to find it in its cave sleeping. Hmm. Gave it a little trick up their sleeve, chloroformed it, and <laughs> captured it. Who thought it would be that easy? No dynamite needed this time. Yet they happen to have chloroform on hand. Uh, mm. He was ready. He was ready. There's something fishy going on. Yeah. <laughs> Almost, I'd dare say, suspicious that he's able to find a second one relatively with <laughs> ease. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows what's going on? I know. Yeah, you, you know the, <laughs> the deep, dark secrets here. I've uncovered it, yes. Mm-hmm. So this gives us an, a good idea of where the hodag came from, of its origins. Now let's take a gander of where this cryptid has gone since its big county fair show and tell event in 1896. I must ask again, does this all sound too good to be true? Why hasn't something like this just taken the world by storm? A monster caught in a small lumber town in Wisconsin, yet it would seem hardly anyone has ever heard of it since. Like Eugene Shepard, I cannot let this farce go on any longer. This hodag and all of its pay me 10 cents to peep into a tent and see the thing move, glory, is sadly 100% a hoax. What? It is, I know. Specifically because it said that the story of the hodag spread so far across the country that representatives of the Smithsonian were planning to come see the creature to confirm its validity. So at that point, it would appear that Shepard just saw the writing on the wall and he just came clean. He's like, ah, this has gone a little bit too far. All good things must come to an end. So he came clean. He came clean before they they investigated. Yep, before they even got there to uh, to look at it, he's like, "Interesting." I've made my money now. I'm I'm okay with this. <laughs> However, though, even with the hoax being revealed, there are still reports of people seeing the hodag to this day. So maybe one day you'll be able to see this monster in your next visit to Rhinelander, Wisconsin. This message has not been sponsored by the Rhinelander Chamber of Commerce. That's good to know. They sure as hell say, go up there and you're going to find the hodag. (laughs) So now that we know that the hodag is maybe still out there, still being seen by some people, let's just jump right on into the rubric of power. I'm very intrigued to hear your take on the hodag just simply because our, our last one with Hogzilla, extreme deviations in our scoring, I'll say. So I'm, I'm excited to see if this continues this time. Where were you sitting in the powers of the Hodag? As far as I can tell, based on what you what you said, it doesn't really have powers, except I was able to find additions made to it. You know, so we always look into if anybody's taking Hodag stories and added more to the lore or whatever. Uh-huh. And in this case, uh, J.K. Rowling has included the Hodag in one of her books, Fantastic Beast or something or other. Yep. I really don't care to learn the title because I'm not a fan Ooh. of Miss Rowling. First, <laughs> dunking on Pokemon now, Harry Potter universe. Dang. Hey, nothing against Harry Potter. Everything against her, but oh, whatever. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> um, it's like Tom Cruise movies. Hate the guy, but some of his movies are really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She has attributed the Hodag as having magic, most of its magic being contained in its horns. When powdered, when powdered, they would make a person immune to the effects of alcohol and the ability to go without sleep for seven days and nights. That sounds like a pretty awesome power to me. But my one criticism is it's not really a power of the Hodag because that means I have to go take its horns from him yeah you have to kill it and saw its horns off so it's not like 
the Hodak itself is causing this. I have to steal uh, horns from his head. I do believe one thing. I believe the, the, the Hodak has the ability to make people believe it is a hoax. Wow. So, <laughs> like a mind control, are you suggesting? Or or just some sort of, like, illusion? Or I think it's, like, an illusion, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just a gut instinct I get. I have a feeling that I'm going to hear, hear more about this in the coming <laughs> categories. So, yeah, I gave it a two. Two for power. Okay. Yep. Adequate, right? So, yeah, it's it's better than one. <laughs> the way that I looked at it was the ferocity of this creature is something to be, I would say, applauded. Even if it is an outright fabrication, the Eugene Shepard version, uh, the way I looked at it, was built upon the idea that it, it tore apart a pack of hunting dogs on its own. So it had the physical abilities to do that. Its hide made it impervious to gunfire. It was also claimed that the creature can actually shoot fire from its nose. So it's shooting flames from its face. Ooh. Its jaws are considered to be strong as a vice is another thing that I found. It's covered with spikes, which is extremely badass. And it has <laughs> teeth like a saber-toothed tiger. And then even claws like Wolverine from X-Men. Just its, I guess, physical stature, to me, has the body that gives it the ability to at least tear apart some things, as long as it's not getting chloroformed or blown up by dynamite. So, <laughs> for me, uh, specifically, I thought the shooting the flames out of its nose was pretty rad, too. So, I gave it a three and a half in powers, above average. You don't hear too much of fire-breathing reptilians, I guess, besides dragons. And Yeah, that's... That's news to me. <laughs> so then how about detectability? For detectability, it's the same where... Actually, I don't know why I gave it such a low score. <laughs> I may have to change that. Because <laughs> my reasoning makes would give it a higher score. <laughs> Anyways, there are no sightings of this creature except mm -hmm. for uh, Eugene Shepard and then the mayor... Of Rhinelander that way from that documentary we saw. Yep, there's a documentary on on Amazon Prime, some sort of a, like a, a monster show, and he was yeah former mayor now boat captain. He claims he he saw one. Yeah, he claims he took a picture of it. However, he lost the picture because his phone was uh, low in charge, so he had to put his phone down to get his charger. And while he was doing that, his cats came and suddenly wanted to play with the phone for some reason and knocked it on the floor and crushed the screen. <laughs> Damn cats! <laughs> so they, so yeah, they stole it, the hodag from us. <laughs> so yeah, only it doesn't seem to be like a lot of people are, are catching uh, catching sightings of this thing. Mm -hmm. The one picture that we have, the black and white picture we mentioned earlier. The thing is so obviously fake. Like it's there's no way I, you can expect me to believe that that is a real life Hodak. And of course, because Eugene then later admitted to it, it being nice. a hoax. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, nobody's actually seen this thing. Or if they have, it it died with Eugene, his yeah. actual you know actual sightings. I gave it a, I just now revised the score and gave it a three. <laughs> Dang yeah. So the, yeah, the story is going back to the 1800s and not being seen it's it's i'd say close to mongolian deathworm in that aspect right yeah the way i looked at it in this one it was hard for me to grade this creature when the most prevalent story of the creature is a confirmed hoax the idea has roots in actually native american lore and then lumberjacks it's uh, suggested supposedly knew of the creature or possibly stole that knowledge from the native americans and sort of co-opted it for their own and there's just no proof of it physical proof of it existing Besides the Eugene Shepard picture where it's clearly staged. And eventually 
Eugene Shepard goes for an evening stroll and just happens to come across one, sparking his hunt for the creature soon after. As the story goes, he seemingly easily found it again. Just the idea that it's not very good at hiding once Eugene Shepard was on its trail, I guess. He finds it again, and they throw dynamite at it, ultimately causing it to be burned alive. So they didn't kill it with the dynamite blast. What they had done was, uh, as Shepard tells the story, they like built up uh, bark and like leaves around the hodag, and the dynamite got thrown, and it actually like set all those leaves on fire and then engulfed the hodag in fire. But the thing that I was thinking that Shepard went wrong in his story is that so the creature is said to have shoot fire from its nose, so you would think, based on that ability, it would have some sort of resistance to fire, or else it would always be damaging or scorching its body each time it used its own one singular cool power that it has. It is what it is, I guess. They end up killing it, uh, and then tracking down another fairly easy enough three years later, and then paraded around the, from county fair to county fair, charging to see the thing, 10 cents of view. I guess maybe the argument could be made that the deforestization of Rhinelander made it easier to find. I don't know. For me, detectability, I gave it two and a half. So not too far off from each other. Yeah. Now the, the next one, I'm actually very excited to see where you're coming from and what you found for the <laughs> lore and mystique of the Hodag. Um, I found absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, no. No lore. No mystique. No. No. So... This, this is interesting for the lore and the, and the mystique because, as you mentioned, there might be some sort of Native American ties to the Hodag. Mm-hmm. A creature known as the Mishipeshu. Yep. Or I guess it translates to the Great Lynx, which is a, an underwater panther. It was a, an, actually a pretty important type of water being amongst the Anishinaabe, the Odawa, the Ojibwe, and the Potawatomi tribes in the Great Lakes region. There's, I guess there's drawings of it, and it looks exactly like how the Hodag is described. So, so that's how the, the connections were made. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Just like the when I saw that depiction of it, I was like, whoa, this is spot on for the Hodag. Yeah. Really cool. So I here's the thing, though. I think this is where the Hodag uh, stops, because what happened was, uh, let me start from the beginning. It all began with Eugene Shepard. He was born in Green Bay, okay? Green Bay, Wisconsin. I lived there for a while. He's a a land surveyor, Mm -hmm. a timber cruiser, and a known prankster. Now, a timber cruiser, for those of you that don't know, is just somebody that... um, Cruise on timber. (laughs) Cruise on timber. He he can determine the quality of the wood of, you know, like the trees or whatever, right? So he can tell which which is a good place to, to get timber essentially so that's he's got all this knowledge i must say though i would think extremely easy job in 1890s uh, <laughs> north woods wisconsin there were just trees everywhere and well yeah a lot of pine trees most likely that's 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 exactly right and he also had a knowledge of paul bunyan stories mm-hmm. his vast knowledge of tall tales he surely would have come across tales from Native Americans, from about the underwater panther. Yeah, all coming from the same region, Great Lakes. Yep, from the, exactly. So, I don't know if you're familiar, but the the Great Lynx is known for guarding vast amounts of copper. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and uh, you know who, who likes copper? <laughs> Eugene Shepard. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, 
He moved to Rylander. Rylander. Yeah. I think I think what happened was he heard these stories and he's been seeking out the Hodag. I mean, he, it was known as the Mishipeshu, but yeah. he had to come up with its own name because that's what Americans do. He, so had, he, to, called he it... had to co-op it from the Native Americans <laughs> and make it his own thing, damn it. Yeah. So he calls it a Hodag and he starts searching for it and his his uh, journey takes him to Rhinelander. In Rhinelander, there's a there's actually a, a you know several little lakes in the area. There's a big lake called Boom Lake, home of the the Hodag Park, which is probably named because of, of using Shepherd stuff. The other thing is, and I'm pretty sure this is Eugene Shepherd's doing. The Hodag was said to be the missing link between an ancient land sl- sloth and an ichthyosaur, which is an ancient marine reptile. So, hmm, marine reptile, underwater panther, it's starting to make sense now. It's all coming together. Why did he use dynamite in his first hunt for the Hodag? I believe he found, he actually found the Hodag, the, the, the great lynx. The true and he, Mishipishu. Yes, yes, the actual one, a real live one. And he chased it into Rhinelander. And he got a crew to bomb the crap out of it. With dynamite. And you know why? Because he knows that that place that it hid was its home where he guarded the copper. I think Eugene Shepard was coming after the copper. Going after like a whole damn copper vein in that cave. Yes. Now, it seems like, oh, what do you want with copper? I mean, pennies are made with copper. Who wants copper now? Well, copper was actually a, a pretty uh, you know, versatile metal. It's it, it's used in bronze and other, it's easily alloyable. It, it heats up pretty well. It's a good heat conductor. In fact, I think a lot of the Native Americans used it for heating their water. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I was just about to say that. So you could do a lot of things with copper. And even now, you could copper sells for a lot of uh, money. Like you can sell. I mean, how how often do you hear a lot hear stories about uh, like abandoned houses having the the wiring completely stripped of all the, the copper and yeah and, and the like plumbing that. yeah and i think i'm not entirely sure but i think pennies have like ridged edges or maybe they don't i haven't but, held a penny and i don't know how long <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah i don't know either but they add ridges to the coins because people would strip the the edges off to sell the the the, sh- the shavings so when you have wow. something, uh, <laughs> they were coin. desperate for copper. <laughs> when you have a, co- a smooth coin, it's like, oh, somebody's ripping us off or whatever. Someone shaved my coin. <laughs> well, I don't. I'm looking at a penny right now, and it doesn't have the 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 ridges. But whatever, people will sell the copper off of things. So I think I think not only did he find a huge thing of copper, but I think he had to come up with um, a a good reason why he blew up. The thing, a, the, the, a the cover air, the story, land. a cover story, yeah. if you will. Right? So, yeah, alibi. <laughs> exactly. So he he's talked about the Hodag, and I'm sure he did see something. But I think the town of Rhinelander proved a bit more stubborn than he realized. And they said, well, you know, if there's one of them out there, how many of them are out there? How many more of them are out there? I'm sure they came up to him and, and asked him for more, you know, find hunting more because they have bear wrestlers there. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like if we can wrestle bears, let's let's wrestle hodags. I don't know how much so, money can we make uh, putting that in a ring? <laughs> exactly. So so Shepard set out to capture another hodag and this time to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. So what do you think he did? I think he had the copper 
the huge amount of copper he found, and I think he had it uh, shaped to look like the Hodag in that picture we see, in the black and white picture. And he painted it, and he added all those things to trick everyone. <laughs> I think I think the Hodag in that picture is a, is a, a, a copper ore. Just like a copper statue Hodag. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And he, and, and he used that to make his money. It, it, yes. He... <laughs> He was guarding that treasure just like the Hodai guarded its treasure. And then he had to keep up the ruse. That's why he had to announce that it was a hoax when the Smithsonian people were coming by. Because he's like, they ain't taking my copper. <laughs> he said, I'd rather admit that it's a hoax than let them see this thing. You know what I take from this? It, it wasn't a hoax. It was a curse. Like he like became consumed by this copper he became, and had to protect he became, it. He, he became, became his own hodag. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Did he start to like sprout horns? He had to grind him down. <laughs> Sleeping with his copper like a, a dragon upon its horde. Yep, yep. I think that's I think that's what I've uncovered. That's my uh my take. That is a aura of mystique and intrigue surrounding the hodag. Yeah. So I give it a 2.5. Oh, no. <laughs> my gosh. Not so mysterious, I guess, after all. <laughs> Just adequate plus. So <laughs> the way that I looked at it, for me, this was actually the first creature that we've looked at that felt like a, a true cryptid to me. And I say that because the creature is supposedly a restless oxen spirit that was so abused in life it rises from its own ashes and is resurrected as this monster so you have a bit of the the phoenix lore being sliced into it in the historical aspect the first printed version of the hodag story that i was able to find it dates back to 1870 in the history of kent michigan so just on the other side of lake michigan between 1889 and 1892 several newspapers across the country so from new hampshire to arizona they all ran fictional stories about gullible people conned by a promoter who claimed to have a hodag so even in the news articles that there were these you know fictional stories but the idea that people could easily be conned by something like the hodag to to view it so not a original idea from from eugene shepherd the idea of the hodag hoax was already widespread by 1892 there are historians that suggest the lumberjacks took the story from the Native Americans. One thing I did see in the Mishu Pishu story was that the water panther is in direct opposition of Thunderbirds, and they're actually engaged in eternal conflict. So they are in a conflict since the beginning of time and for until time ends, just like the Nephilim and the semi-immortal <laughs> pig entity demigods. Oh my. Native American lore as well. <laughs> Points to things <laughs> as that. Other things I saw, the hodag seemingly has a very strict diet. So while it was known to eat mud turtles and water snakes, as well as oxen, it specifically ate white bulldogs. And then there are some sources that got even more specific that it only ate white bulldogs on Sundays. I would be very interested to hear like where that idea came from, as far as <laughs> why just white bulldogs and why only on Sundays would it eat it? But I could never find anything that pointed directly to this is the reason why it did this. For me, the mystique of this creature can be quantified in the amount of money that Eugene Shepard made just showing it off from county fair to county fair. And he did go from, started in Oneida County Fair up north, traveled all around the state to different county fairs, showing it off. And it was said that 
he could easily make $500 a weekend showing off the Hodag at a county fair. He charged 10 cents a view, and what they would do is you'd had it in the tent, they would pull back the flap, and you could view into the tent to look at it for a few seconds. The tent, extremely dark, and what would happen is the Hodag would move about, there'd be like roars from inside it, spook you, and you know, next person, it's your turn to view the Hodag. Repeats ad nauseum until he declares it a hoax. $500 a weekend, money at that time in the 1890s, that would equal to $16,000 in dimes in current money. So he was making a lot of money on just showing off this creature. Even after the reveal that it was a hoax, people didn't want to stop seeing it. They still continued to sort of transition to, wowie, it, how did this guy trick so many people? Now I want to <laughs> look at it to see how it tricked people. And it continued to make money. So no matter what he did, it kept making money. Local Rhinelander historian, Kerry Blodorn, he said that Rhinelander has a 120 year plus history of molding its identity and building a sense of pride in the Hodag. So what I take from that, for better or worse, this city is built around the Hodag. And I'll go and most likely both go into a little bit in the pop culture area, but a whole economic structure based on a cryptid is rather insane and intriguing at the same time. <laughs> One thing I do want to point out as far as what people were actually viewing in the in the tent, I know you're thinking that it was a copper hodag. So <laughs> what I was able to find in historical documents was that it was a wood carving. And what they did was they had oxen leather and they just basically glued oxen leather onto the wood and then they had it tied to wires. Shepherd's children they were behind the tent. They pulled levers to raise the wires to make it look like it was moving. And then they made growling sounds like monsters. And that was enough to trick people time and time and time again that this was a real moving creature. Another thing that Shepard would do is he'd wear like a, a suit. He'd be like, okay, I got to go look at the hodag, make sure it's okay to be viewed this time. Got to make sure it's safe. So he goes like into a little door to look at it. And then he changes his clothes comes back out his clothes are all torn to shreds and he's like whoa you can't see the hodag today it's really feisty no hodag today i mean he was all in on this thing i can't blame him rightfully so making that amount of money on weekends at county fairs good for him <laughs> with that the lore mystique i actually for me there's a lot built around it even if it is a hoax there is still this aura and very much so at the time people were all in on believing it i gave it a four in Lauren Mystique. Wow. Yeah. A four. Impressive. Yeah. The thing that really impacted me was how much it has affected Rhinelander. Even after it was a hoax, they still went all in on, you know, this is our identity. And they are proud of it. So, hey, good for them. Well, they're all hiding the secret of copper. <sighs> they're all <laughs> in on it. It's like some... <laughs> A Disney Channel original movie. I could see like <laughs> some kids going there for uh, a summer camp and they uncover the Eugene Shepherd, sort of like a Goonies esque uh, <laughs> pillaging of the uh, a cave. And, yeah, and it's down there. Rather than sloth, they have the Mishu Pishu helps them. <laughs> now that we have our lore set, where are you in the cunning and intelligence of this hoax or copper? creature <laughs> copper creature yeah it's funny because you mentioned it in the lore i wrote it down for the cunning intelligence it eats white bulldogs only on sundays <laughs> that's why it's got a one <laughs> <laughs> it's got a one but i guess really if you really think about it the hodag understands calendar days 
that he specifically <laughs> only eats on Sundays the white bulldog. So, well, so I don't know. Does so, that bump it up one and a half? <laughs> so actually, what I have is I have two scores. I have one based on whether I believe it's the uh, the 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 great lynx, the underwater panther, because I I believe that Shepard Eugene Shepard dumbed down the animal for his own purpose. for his own purposes. Yep. Yes. I guess I'll give it a 1.5. 1.5. Okay. Reasonable. One thing I did see about this water panther, it was a creature that brought misfortune or even death and would often have to be given an offering just to allow safe passage by it. So that would, I think, indicate some sort of cognitive abilities to know that it was given an offering and then to let those people pass that were given the offering. So yeah. I think one and a half is reasonable. The sort of thing that I looked at was time and time again in each of our rankings of these creatures, this category seems to be the death knell for cryptids. <laughs> so a high cunning could be all that it takes to get your little grubby cryptid fingers on the crown that Skunk Ape is currently <laughs> holding. But yeah. it seems that time and time again that these things don't have the cunning intelligence needed to boost their score up to where they need to be. <laughs> so again, the Hodag is very intriguing for me, but I wanted to preface this before I go into the grading. So there is this idea that the city of Rhinelander was finding itself in a hell of a predicament pre-1900. So there's this website that I found, Hodag Press. It outlines this, I'm leaning more towards fact than theory, but it outlines it very well. So the city was founded in 1882 and bloomed solely on the lumber industry. That was the only purpose of Rhinelander. A mere 14 years later, the lumber was almost completely gone. So half the city's sawmills, they were closed. The other ones, they were getting close to closing. So something had to be done. The city's elites, they needed to revitalize this to make you know their efforts economically be worthwhile or they were going to be ruined. Eugene Shepard, he just wasn't some dude that started a hoax. He, like you said, Timber Cruiser, he was in on the lumber industry. He was also into real estate and had put a lot of money into Rhinelander. The city attempted this campaign to attract new enterprises into just Oneida County in general. So just to revitalize the entire county, not just Rhinelander itself. However, what they wanted to do was this time focus on agriculture as a business. So the idea would be Rhinelander, which is the seat of the county. It's where the, all the movers and groovers go for Oneida County, that it would attract the industry while the rest of the county would focus just on the agriculture. So the first Oneida County Fair, it was being organized, but there just wasn't enough community built around this new agricultural infrastructure. So they didn't really have anything to show at this county fair. And this is exactly where Eugene Shepard, the prankster, a bit of an eccentric, he knows what to do. He steps up to bat and not too long after they ask him, a hodag is ready to be exhibited at the fair. <laughs> so I don't think it's a coincidence that um, he just happened to know exactly where to find one. But yeah. one thing I did find was Shepard had this to say about the Hodag. He goes on and says, By no means is all the progress to be credited to the Hodag, but the Hodag did its bit. Not only hundreds, but thousands of people came to view the Hodag, and not one of them went away without having learned a little bit more about northern Wisconsin. And it's safe to guess that each one of those thousands told others what they had seen and heard. In this way, the beauties, opportunities, and resources of northern Wisconsin spread, and many who came out of curiosity only have come to make their home with us. He goes on to say, long live the hodag. With that all being said, as a preface, if we were grading the cunning surrounding the hodag, 
hoax a four i mean it was they're very well built to be able to revitalize this city based on a carved piece of wood with some oxen leather and oxen horns stabbed into it unfortunately we're not grading the cryptid known as eugene shepherd and the elite of rhinelander <laughs> in the 1800s they are getting a pass on this judging but the hodag was supposedly a foe of paul bunyan and that dude could cut like 12 trees at once it had to have been at least a a foe for that american folklore hero but it could also be apparently tricked with a chloroform rag on the end of a stick <laughs> so it can't be the brightest hodag in the shed you know i gave it a two so 0.5 higher not bad mm -hmm. it has some i guess cognitive abilities but not you know an, another yeah. cryptid that falls to the <laughs> Uh, yeah falls to the pit known as cunning and intelligence i'd like to add you know eugene shepherd apparently put in money in rhinelander where do you get that money hmm from copper, copper. <laughs> <laughs> was he like making his own copper coins too <laughs> probably i don't need any money today mr banker i brought my own <laughs> so then our final category here for the hodag impact on popular culture so beyond jk rowling uh and her fantastic beasts and where to find them where did you find the hodag so it turns out the hodag has made quite a few appearances in other places besides all of rhinelander which is you know its home base and jk rowling's book it is in a scooby-doo episode <laughs> scooby-doo mystery incorporated yeah, one of uh, one of the more newer incarnations, I guess. Um, they just won't let that property die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's educational for the kids, you know. Transforming, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I keep saying, I, I want to say Scooby-Doo, but that's the dog. <laughs> Shaggy? Shaggy? Yeah, yeah. Transforming him from a, a stoner to a respectable young man, uh -huh. I think. And not the... Uh... <laughs> heroic rapper shaggy <laughs> yes let's not confuse the two <laughs> the hodag has been featured in some games as i guess either bosses boss monsters or regular um baddies i didn't take the time to write down the games i think there's <laughs> at least there's at least two of them i saw listed he seems like a perfect creature that could pop up in something like monster hunter or something like that yeah i wasn't familiar with the titles that i that i saw yeah, I guess they're newer games, mm -hmm. whatever. I'm not I'm not entirely sure there's any Hodag movies, and if there are, I missed it. I Yeah, I could not find any. It's very, I mean, a serious <laughs> missing link in Hollywood. Yeah. I think Hodag yeah. is a new property to, to jump on. Yeah, I'm yeah, making that statement now. Hollywood, get on it. I mean, we need realistically, stories. you could make a an intriguing period horror movie out of it. It could be fun. Yep. And then you can, you know, capture one with chloroform. Yep. And, and study it. Scientists. And then open there could be the like hodag. a whole third act of like uh, showing it off at the fair, and then it escapes from the fair and starts killing people and in the fairgrounds. Yeah, I mean, it terrorizes it everyone. <laughs> yep. We just wrote a movie, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I gave it a two point five. Yeah, not too bad for a creature you never heard of before researching it, right? Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I gave the same score to the skunk ape. 
Well, I think you didn't know too much about this concave either. He had, he had, he had eluded your uh, eyes for so many years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now he stole your heart. <laughs> when I was looking at it, I, I did view the or watch the Scooby-Doo episode. I thought it was a pretty cool episode. The way that they portrayed, specifically, Eugene Shepard rolls into town like in a carnival like <laughs> wooden truck and like pops up shop and everyone starts walking in because he's promoting it. It's very carny esque like super like nineteen fifties esque like presentation of it, but step right in, yeah, step yeah, right in, yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. And like Shaggy and Scooby, they're just enthralled by it and they walk right on in. And then he reveals the hodag in its newer representation of rather like the than the black skin. It's the newer representation is covered in green fur. He yeah, reveals that's it, the rebranding. And, yeah, he reveals it, and Shaggy's like, "Hold up." This is the fakest monster I've ever seen. And then Scooby's <laughs> like, well, at least we didn't pay to get in. It's just this uh, very, I guess, tongue-in-cheek way tongue of cheek, referencing yeah. the original Hodag story. So I thought that was yeah. pretty cool out of a Scooby-Doo episode. So cool. And then it goes into this weird story about a monkey and a bell. So check it out. <laughs> <laughs> that monkey loves its bells. Uh-huh. Just can't get enough of those bells. It's like he was... <laughs> Imagine if there were copper bells. I mean, oh, it could have just that, that, unraveled things. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that if they'd known, they would have incorporated that mm-hmm. in there. The other things I saw, again, Rhinelander just being all in on the Hodag. High school mascot, the Hodag. Outside the Chamber of Commerce, there is a huge statue of the Hodag. Gets tons of uh, tourists to go there. Free parking near it, so that's cool. Other <laughs> things that are apparently just show that it is entrenched in culture in Rhinelander. A lot of the old timers, they love to say, like the reason they didn't catch a fish was because that damn hodag stole it right off the line. Or (laughs) if they're out golfing and lose their ball due to a bad shot or anything like that, it's that mischievous hodag took my ball. I just think it's, I guess, cute the way that they've embraced a cryptid or monster entity or anything like that to sort of just become a part of their everyday lives. I know everyone's thinking about it. The beer legacy lives on (laughs) once again. And this is one that I actually had, but to the best of my abilities, I'm pretty sure it's a defunct beer now. Around 2011 or 2012, there was a Hodag beer that was, believe it or not, specific to Applebee's. And that was the only place you could get it. Because I even remember, (laughs) only reason I remember getting it was because the picture on the bottle had the, the Hodag monster. And I was like, that looks cool. I'll get this beer. It was good. And then looked into trying to buy it. And it's like, wait, you can only get it at Applebee's? What the hell kind of distribution deal is this? <laughs> so there's probably a reason that's no longer around. Another thing that I found, the Hodag Country Festival, founded in 1978. And it continues on now, planned for 2021 for uh, the week of July 8th to 11th. It gets an estimated attendance of around thirty to 50,000 people each year good-sized country festival. Other things that I found that still just shows how the Hodag is taken so seriously in Wisconsin. Just last year, the city of Algoma, Michigan, they wanted to organize their own community festival with the Hodag as its theme. And the idea did not float well with the citizens of Rhinelander. Some officials called for trademarking the Hodag just to be able to prevent this kind of thing from happening in the future. And reportedly, the city council had members that were hostile to just even working with or cooperating with Algoma. 
it's, it's sort of like this idea that the hodag has become theirs and they don't want to share share it with anybody and i thought it was interesting just because when i was researching it the first written history of the hodag comes from kent michigan it's kind of this battle of who really has the hodag and that compounded now even more in 1984 there's an associated press report that details a political scuffle between Wisconsin governor at the time, Tony Earle, and Michigan governor, James Blanchard, about which state could claim ownership to the hodag. And it was said that Governor Earle was going to consider putting the hodag on the endangered species list if Michigan kept trying to kidnap it, was the quote. So, <laughs> I mean, real political intrigue here about the hodag in the, in the 80s. For it being a hoax, there is this idea that it's taken very seriously here. And some other things that I looked into but I didn't really write down, just the tourism aspect for Oneida County. They get a ton of money for tourism in the area. Rhinelander getting the uh, focus of that. And, you know, it can really be attributed to how far in they've gone in the Hodag. It now becomes a destination place just to see all the craziness that surrounds it. Cool stuff. With that, I gave the Hodag... <laughs> A two. Adequate. <laughs> because, simply because it's, it's just so focused on Wisconsin. It's not yeah. really, I think this was our same take on Skunk Ape, really, was it was yeah. so just focused in one area that it's it's not, you know, it's, it's not something that's being covered all over the country. So it has its, the focalness of it to just one state or maybe Michigan, maybe Minnesota a little bit too. It's, it's not enough to the rubric of power needs its uh, credibility, and it's getting a two. Yeah. I have an interesting question. Do you think maybe several hundred years down the line, if this town continues to talk about the Hodag, it's going to be like the Mongolian death form, where everyone just has a story about the Hodag? Yeah, that's, a really, forced, that's a really good point. Because and you're forced to believe it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> because, you know, historically, America, uh, a relatively new country specifically wisconsin i think don't quote me on it but i think became a state in 1840s so it wasn't too long after you know what 50 years later that eugene shepherd strolls into town cruising on his timber and you know starts <laughs> showing off the hodag so 200 years from now get a, a decent cultural representation of the hodag it could very much well be you know my brother's cousin's sister saw the hodag in person <laughs> they know what it is it's so poisonous you don't want to touch it but i think that is very much a real possibility who knows in 20 years if they'll even be in america so like who knows what's <laughs> going to happen in the future yeah just reverse ghost if that if anything happens you know what i need to do is send out a morse code to the nearest <laughs> black hole bounce it off bring it back and warn us of uh <laughs> Of oh, what's happening. Back to 1935. Yes, because only the best and brightest were in 35. Don't want to send it to any other year. Don't trust anyone else from any other re year, really. Yeah. But now that that tangent's over, let's add up uh, the Hodag, and maybe we'll see if we have a new crowned champion. Skunk Ape sitting with a 12 and a half. Let's see where we rubric of power grades them. I totaled it to a 14 on my end. Wow. I know. <laughs> I was like... What is happening? <laughs> I have a 11.5. Oh my god, it's going to be close. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have a 14. You have an 11.5. I'm going to enter it into our algorithm. We're going to let it decode the rubric of power. We have the Hodag, Wisconsin's own Northern Woods Beast, at a 12. 
0.75. What? We have a 0.25 higher than Skunk Ape. We have he has a been new dethroned. Champion. We have a new champion. The throne. Oh my god. So Who close. Knew? So close. My gosh. <laughs> what, oh jeez. What was it? Um, I feel like we should play music or something. I know, like some sort of like band strolls into the <laughs> into the studio <laughs> and starts playing. Have some party poppers going off. <laughs> what was the uh, that category that you bumped up to 0.5? Was that detectability? Like originally you're going to give it a one, and then it went to a one and a half. No, I was originally going to give it a 2.5. What was the one that you bumped it up like as we were? Um, I also bumped up the cunning. I had a one to, and I moved it up to 1.5. Maybe that was it. So it ended up being the cunning. The exact category that I <laughs> yep. singled out as being the one that uh, is the downfall of the cryptids. That gave yep. it that bumping up helped. It did it. My gosh. <laughs> Wisconsin reigns supreme. It does. Start <laughs> drinking the beer, eating cheese. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I really didn't mention at all about it, and it's, I guess, related to Skunk Ape, the smell of Hodag, very much like Skunk Ape. It's said to smell like, um, just m- I mentioned it in passing, really smell of buzzard meat and a skunk perfume so maybe Jeez. that's the thing that's the, the tying feature of the only that thing champions is the, smell. the only thing that can dethrone a skunk ape is another creature that's skunk like mm-hmm. my gosh the skunk hodag did it <laughs> i'm really still in awe that we have a new champion here my gosh it's been so long i mean i don't even know what to do from here on out <laughs> I mean, at this point, it gets really hard because I have that was that was a big score, <laughs> a fourteen and an eleven and a half, and it's it's only point two five higher. Yeah, I mean, I have thousands of skunk ape shirts. What am I gonna do with them now? <laughs> I know <laughs> we went we we jumped too early on the skunk ape wagon. <laughs> now they're gonna ship them to Africa like the Super Bowl loser shirts. <laughs> oh man! Before we end it, any final thoughts on on the hodag? You know, I'm not a sore loser. <laughs> I I have to commend the Hodag for it's it's a good battle. It, it put up a good fight, and you know the Skunk Ape. You know he tried to hold his own, but the Hodag just beat him out. And you, you know, know, fair and square. I I think Eugene Shepard was playing the long con here with that <laughs> copper mine. It came yeah. back to help him. That pushed him over the top too. Uh, you uncovering the copper. Yeah story aspect of it my gosh who would have thought (laughs) (laughs) well there you have it yeah for me hodag was a a really fun creature to look into and we'll see we'll see what's what's next i think now more than ever would be a great time to at jonathan frakes send him your tweets try to uh let's try to get a a judgment from the spokesman of the supernatural himself Mr. Jonathan Frakes, yep. and gets his opinion on the Hodag. What does he think just transpired here? We have a new crowning champion of the Hodag over Skunk Ape. It would be, it would be an honor to have his opinion on the Hodag now. <laughs> yes. Make sure to at him and uh, at us as well, at Cracking Curios. Yes, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, hashtag with... How about just hashtag Cracking? Not maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> cracked cryptids. Yeah, I I would say hashtag cracked cryptids, at Jonathan Frakes, at us. You know, let's get the conversation moving. Yeah. With that, thank you for joining us on another episode of Cracking Cryptids and Curios. It has been a very fun episode. Next time we are looking into 
We're going across the pond, Angel. We are leaving America. We are going to the UK. And we're going to take a gander at Springheel Jack and see what he brings to the table. This new competitor, quite an unknown. See if he can make quick work of the Hodag and spring his way to a new crown. He's going to steal the the queen's (laughs) crown. I think he just might. Hodag, we out. This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. This is my sad song. <laughs>